Welcome once again to Benchworld, a podcast designed to provide you with knowledge, experiences, tools, and ideas about venture capital, entrepreneurship, and finance. Interviews and conversations with top-notch global experts will take place every week, hosted by me, Hector Shibata, Director of Investments and Portfolio at AC Ventures, a global corporate venture capital fund an Associate Professor for Entrepreneurial Finance and Venture Capital. Don't forget to follow us for more content on Medium, LinkedIn and Twitter as ACB underscore BC. With no more to say, hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you everyone for being today with us. Today we have Jonathan Louis. Jonathan, it's a great in, in, investor and a great entrepreneur. So thank you very much, Jonathan, for being with us. Oh, thank you for the invitation. So Jonathan, let's let's start with, with the fire chat, with the conversation. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? So yeah, sure. Um, so originally I was born and raised in, in Belgium um, and I moved to Mexico back in 2002. Um, straight after I finished my master in, in business administration in Belgium. I studied in Belgium and in Canada. And uh, I started more in traditional business in uh, outdoor advertising. I was, uh, I was lucky to work also on a great project, which was the EcoBC back then uh, with Clear Channel. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I started a company in, in outdoor advertising. I also worked with a financial, financial institution um, and uh, and uh, even had a restaurant in Mexico, uh, also very funny. Um, and uh, until in 2010, uh, that's when I started in uh, in, in in tech. Um, we started the first um, food delivery uh, company called MiOrden.com with two friends uh, from Mexico. Um, my, my, my still co-founder and, and, and partner, uh, Sergio, we started uh, that together. Uh, that was 10 years ago in 2010. So as you can see, I started pretty late in tech. Um, and uh, the food delivery company, Mioden, was then sold to another company uh, that was from Spain. That, that's, that's now known as Sindelantal. Uh, so we operated Sindelantal for a while. Uh, so it, we have to go back in 2010 where... Uh, nobody was ordering food online and that's paying food with a credit card. Uh, so it was very in the early days of internet in Mexico. Uh, but we learned a lot. And uh, after that, um, when we sold our shares, um, we, we had no specific ideas what we wanted to do. So uh, an angel investor actually from Venezuela that lives in, in, in uh, San Francisco told us that one of the best thing to do um, when you don't know what to do next is actually to help other founders and to start angel investing. So that's what we, we started investing in other companies and that became a fund a little bit later. And uh, we learned also a lot by working with, with, with founders. We were also lucky to get pretty early on in an accelerator uh, called Y Combinator. So we started to invest in company from there. And, um, and we invested in, in total like in a hundred companies. Uh, early stage, early on, worked with a lot of, of founders, 
some successful companies like uh, like Rapid that a lot of people know, so other companies from from other comp from other uh, regions, and uh, and exactly like uh, Ariel, uh, the angel investor was telling you that told us to start investing. Uh, he said the day that there is something you want to do, uh, you will know, and then you'll you'll be ready to to start something new. It took us many years, and in 2018. Um, we started a company called Green, which was uh, which is scooter company, uh, and we expanded pretty fast from Mexico to uh, 25 cities in seven countries in the region, and uh, yeah, so that's in a nutshell uh, my my brief uh, career in tech. Wow, that's that's an amazing background. You have been entrepreneur, investor. You have done anything. So. Which one do you like them better? Do you like being better entrepreneur or do you like better being investor? I think that uh, it's, 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 it's complementary, you know? And that's why you see a lot of, of, of founders investing in the US, more in the US and, and, and more and more in the region too. Like most of the founders uh, we, we invested in and had some kind of, of success started investing themselves because it's it's a way of, of of paying back and helping other founders by putting small checks and and be able to to be part of what they are building um so it's not about the amount it can be very small checks but you see that more and more uh, it's a way of helping other founders so i don't i don't think it's something that you prefer i think they are complementary i think um in one hand i would say that um Investing in project and being part of many projects, it's amazing so, because you are on the first uh, row of seeing like, I feel that we were very lucky to invest early on in Rappi and see how that became the first unicorn in the region. Um, and uh, and being, being there and working with the founders is something like, it's, it's an amazing, but you are in, in a little bit in the shadow. You're always behind the curtains. Um, and as a founder, uh, you are in the front line. So uh, with the good and the bad things that comes with it. Um, and I think that uh, there's time for everything. You know? So I think that uh, it's hard to, to choose between both. And, and as, an, as an entrepreneur yourself, what are the skills that an entrepreneur requires? I wish I, I, I had a, the correct answer to that because as an investor, if I had the answer, it would be very easy. No? If you know exactly the skills, then um, you would always invest in the good bets. I think that there are no good answer. And it's more about a lot of things that you, you kind of discover of a lot of things that are not good, but it's really hard. It, there is no secret sauce. Like there's not something that if you do this and this, then it will work. Um, actually, it's more about like personal experience when you invest and you start discovering small things that works for you and might not work for other investors. Um, but there is definitely no secret, no, no secret shows. I mean, like every time you invest, it's like um, a new bet, and, uh, and 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 there is new like it's 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 um, it's really hard to know if it's going to be successful successful or not. It's not about the idea. It's not only about the fund. You have really amazing founders that don't are not successful, and then you have really great ideas that that never. Uh, uh, work out so it's really hard to say um there are certainly certain i would say like cer certain things that helps to be a good founder 
Um, but you, you have many ways of being a good founder. So there, there is no specific things that you can advise that you can give to everyone. Okay. So as a founder, how do you start being an entrepreneur in terms of what's, what's, what's the first thing that you, that you tackle? Do you, do you gather the problem? Do you figure out the technology? Do you get together with a team and then you figure out the business? What's the first thing that you need to do as an entrepreneur? So I've seen, I've seen many founders with different strategies and, and, and being successful. You have people coming from the market point of view and analyzing something they work for a big firm or a big company and they, they, they discover a huge market and decide to, to go into that. And then I've seen other founders having no idea what they're doing in terms of market, but they feel there is something there that needs to be done. So I don't know there is, again, like a specific way of doing things. And I'm not, I, I'm not sure I'm the good person to answer that because I literally never worked for someone or a company. So I, I don't know what's the other side. So all my life I've been struggling, working and trying to find out uh, things. Um, so I, I kind of feel that it's being an entrepreneur is more like a state of mind and you can be an employee with a state of mind of entrepreneur and you can be an entrepreneur with a state of mind of an employee, which usually doesn't result to be good because you expect other people to solve your problems. Um, I think not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Um, I've seen people failing with companies because they are not fit to be an entrepreneur and having all that pressure. Um, and not every, and, and certainly a lot of entrepreneurs are not good employees because they, they kind of try to be, they're intrigued, they want to solve other problems and they cannot stay in place. Um, so it's more a state of mind and, and, and obviously not everybody has the same path, um, but, but, but it's, it's really hard to say like, if you do this, you're gonna be an entrepreneur. I mean, it's something that you need to be ready to, to, to sacrifice other things for that. And again, I don't think that it's better to be an entrepreneur or better to be an employee. It all depends on yourself and what you want to achieve. Um, it's, 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 it's a good question. And, and this is something that I've been in, in the position sometimes to kind of, in a way I promote and I like people to, to become entrepreneurs and start their own business. But on the same time, the responsibility sometimes as an investor or advisor or mentor is also sometimes to understand that it comes with a price and not everybody is ready to, to, to do so. Um, in a way, you can look at it as, as usually when you see an, an entrepreneur, you think that, oh, he loves risk. He loves to take a lot of risk. He's young, he can do it. But it's not totally true. Um, it's not about, nobody loves risk. It's, it's more about your tolerance to risk and the perception of risk. You can see someone, uh, I would say, I, 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 I like to give that example, but let's say you've, you've been born and raised in the mountains and you've skied all your life, you see a, 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 piece, a ski um, path, you don't see it as risky because for you it's natural. But if you've never been to ski and you see that, it would be really, uh, 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 you'll be afraid of it. So it's more about the perception of that risk. And I think an entrepreneur, based on his history, when he looks at something, he doesn't perceive the same way the risk than somebody else. And obviously you can look at something and say all the reason why you shouldn't do it, or you can look at it and say, if I do this and this, I, I could solve that problem. So it's more, that's, that's why I, I, it's, it's, it's really hard to say, but that's why I believe it's more state of mind. 
Okay, got it. And what are, what are the main mistakes that entrepreneurs do, especially first-time entrepreneurs? Well, usually it's, 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 there are many mistakes that first-time entrepreneurs do um, because they don't know like from who to raise money. So they, they go to the wrong people. Um, they sell too much of their company. Um, they, they usually try to reinvent a lot of things that are like already exist and work for some reason. So you don't have to reinvent the way things are done. Um, and usually they discover that later on. Um, but I would say that th those are like small mistakes that people does that can actually kill a company. I remember a founder that was very young, um, the, the, the youngest founder we invested ever. He was, uh, when I met him, he was like 16. So actually his, her mo his mother had to sign the paper because it was not legal for him to sign. Um, and he was about to accept an investment of $25,000 for 25% of the company. Now you can say, okay, 16, $25,000 is a lot of money for a 16 year old kid. But if he would have taken that money, he would never been able to raise more money and, and build the company he's building now. Like a few months ago, he raised like uh, $3.5 million and the company is, is valued at more than $30 million. And that would not have happened if he, if he had taken that money at that time. So it's a small mistake at the moment that can actually, would, like his company would not exist today. Um, so obviously this is like, uh, I think it's four years later. So a lot of things happened in between that could have also gone wrong, but he's a great founder. And sometimes a small mistake there can, can have a huge impact later. Um, but I would say that generally speaking, uh, beside those mistakes, you have also, uh, um, it's, a, it's a matter of focus. You know, when you are building something, sometimes you kind of focus on the wrong things. Um, and that's where you really need to have the right partners behind you. I mean, it can be like co-founders, but also it can be the right investors helping you to, to, to see things from a higher level. Usually good investor has a better perception of what's going on on the market, what's coming. Um, and you can actually take decision thanks to that, that you probably as a founder can't because you're too focused on the daily operations. So this is kind of the things that I would say it's focus. It's, it's, it's a main thing about being able to have access to information to take the right decisions. Okay, got it. And, and I mean, it is, I mean, first of all, you need to have the idea, right? So you have the idea, you get together with the co-founders and you start building the product. And at some point you need to achieve product market fit in order later to, to, to get additional traction and escalate. In, during the first stage, how do you get product market fit? So, I would say like first, you, you, the first thing you said is, is not, in my opinion, not entirely right. The idea is not always the most important, like what will bring it to the product market fit. It might be the idea, but it might also be the problem. Sometimes you, you, you really want to solve a problem and then you will change the idea that will end up in a product market fit. You have like famous company like Uber and Airbnb that actually started that way, you know? They, the first product of Airbnb was, Airbed and breakfast, which means that they were offering uh, an, an, an airbed and, and a bowl of cereal. 
and it evolved to become a platform that where you can rent the whole apartment, you know? And Uber started as luxury uh, limousine for people and evolved to like any car that you could order, uh, like Uber X and everything. So it started with the problem and evolved and not necessarily the idea itself. Um, but to answer your product market fit, I would say that this is something that at Y Combinator we talked about a lot. And it's something really hard to say, like, when do you have a product market fit? Um, it would be easy to say if you sell that much or if you get that many clients, users, or that many downloads of your app, then you have a product market fit. But it all depends on the company, on the circumstances, on the country. And actually, the answer of YC is usually um, you know when you have a product market fit. So it's something that you kind of feel when it's happening. And I can say that I can only say this, the history, like for us at, at the green, there's a specific moment where we felt we had a product market fit. Obviously we knew, we knew that scooters in other region was actually working well and developing well, but we had to prove it also in the region. And at a certain point, at a certain moment, we, 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 we had like 30 scooters in the streets at like the beginning, uh, July of, of 2018. And, we were working on, on the new scooters we would put in the street and it was like very manual, everything. We were like putting all the IoT inside of the scooters one by one, uh, evolving every time there was like a new IoT we were putting inside. And basically by doing so, we had a lot like 10, 15 scooters that were online on the platform, but actually at our office. And at a certain point, the, the security guy of the office come to us and say that 30 people outside asking for a scooter. So we knew that there was a product market fit because people were coming to the office to ask for a scooter uh, because they could not find them in the street. It's, it's, it's kind of a feeling that you, 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 you see that if people are ready to do that, now imagine when we can have thousands of scooters in the street, which was true because after that we were putting more and more scooters and, and obviously the demand for scooters were, were, was never an issue. Uh, people were using them each city we were starting, like people would adopt them pretty fast. Okay. And how do you escalate the business? I think having an idea and start a business, everybody can do. Like you can have an idea today and basically you started something. Making it work and scaling it depends on the people. So you need good people, <clears throat> it can be you, it can be your co-founder. And then to scale, you also need to attract the right people to come to the company. And this is <clears throat> one of the hardest thing because you need to convince people before, like it's obviously before things are, go are getting good because you are still early to leave their job and, and come and join you because you need their talent to help you build what you're building. So you need a lot of, you need to convince a lot of people to, 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 to kind of drop their job and come in and join a startup that obviously is not, is not there yet. And, and you need their help. So this is something very difficult to identify who are the people you need and you need to convince them. Obviously it can be with money, but it also has to be with the vision, the mission, what you are building. You need to, to, to manage to convince the, the right people to join you 
in order to scale the business. Um, there is no other way. So as you grow, you need to manage the culture of the company. Is it, is it a relevant element or it's more about the execution per se? I mean, <clears throat> it's two things. Like you need the right people and the right people, it can be technically that they, can, they know what they have to do, but you also need people to, that, that, that um, like, like they, they are on the same page and that they, 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 they believe in the mission and the vision and that you build that culture. And this is something also very difficult because um, the fastest you grow, the harder it is to keep that, that culture. Uh, and per se, as a startup, you want to grow fast. So it's kind of contradict itself. Um, and it's probably one of the, the hardest thing to do in a startup. And that's why we always speak about culture in startup worlds, because it's really hard to, to continuously um, and also the more people join the company, the more the culture change because the culture is actually, it's not something, it's not only something that you say to people and then it happened. You need people to believe it and to do it. And every small things that you do in the company will impact or will, sometimes you can have a great uh, idea and you put it on the wall. It doesn't mean that it will actually happen in the company. So, Again, people are the people that are making the company. So you need them to believe and to, and to act to that. And it's a lot of small things that you decide uh, to do in the company um, to, that will enhance the, 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 the culture or will actually kill the culture. And sometimes that's very difficult decision because uh, I remember when it was the day of um, the woman uh, uh, in Mexico that uh, could not come to work as a boycott and you know for the, for the day for the woman and it was like an important day. And you're in the, we were in a kind of a conflict because I was with the, the team of, of HR and in one hand, if you put it as a rule in the company, you oblige everyone to do it, you know? And if you don't do it, then, then you, you are not participating and you want to help, like you want to, the woman to be able to do it so it's not that easy it's not just oh we have to do it that's it because it goes against certain kind of a culture that you want people to be independent and, and decide for themselves um and and it was like uh, it became like a huge discussion to in, in inside of hr and how to make it the way that you don't go against your culture um and you have a lot of small decisions that when you are working with um with a lot of people uh, small decisions make the culture, not only the big decisions. So I guess that that you know that, that gives me a, another question about uh, when do you move into new markets, and how do you manage that culture in those new markets? Um, I mean that depends a lot on on the strategy of the company and the needs of the company. In our case. Um, we, we, we had no choice. Like it was like, or we expand or we die uh, because we, we were in a very competitive market. Mm -hmm. So we needed to grow and, and to open new markets, which definitely do not help the culture uh, because it's, it's a lot easier to, if you can have a small team, it's a lot easier to maintain a culture than when you need to, to hire. And we went from four people to 2,500 people in, in less than two years. So it's, it's, it's really hard to do so. Um, 
And I, I don't think there is like a specific time, timeline to do so. And it depends a lot of, of, of the industry and the, and the market. I would say the more you can wait for it, the best. But unfortunately, usually the markets, it's the opposite. They, they push you to do it because if you don't, somebody else will. So I would say for, for, for the company, it's better to go slow. But for, usually for the market, it's, it's better to go fast. Okay. And a lot of startups, what they do, they try to capture market share. They try to establish a solid presence or uh, establish a great network. And they think later in terms of monetization. When is the right timing to think about monetization? Um, I would say that this is also a question that depends on, on the startup itself and the market they are. And also the market as, as, a, like, as it is. Like I would say in 2018, markets and investors would not care about, money, like about monetization and, and, and about how you make money. They were interested in growth and how you can grow fast and, and have market share. If you look at markets today in 2020, with the pandemic, with everything going on and the access to capital is less, obviously now investors are more interested in margin, profitability, unit economics. So this is, in, 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 I would say in, in venture capital, we say it's like a, a, um, a pendulum. How do you say that? A pendulum? Um, mm. And pendulum. things are going one way or the other. Sometimes it, it, it goes too far in one way, and then that means that it will eventually come back. And I would say probably 2018 was an extreme on one way. And now we are getting to the other extreme, which is um, being really focused on unit economics and, 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 and not really care about, about market share and, and, and growth. Um, as, a, as a founder, as a company, the, you need to follow the market because that's the way you will be able to raise more money. So if, if, if you don't listen to the market, it, it will only make it harder to raise the next round. Okay. So and, and, and talking about capital raising, so at the end, the capital is the blood of any startup. How, how, how do you manage uh, your capital raising process as the startup grows? Well, I, I would say ideally, in the best of the world, you don't need capital. You can you, you make enough money so that you don't need to raise more capital, and then you 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 maintain control of your company and you 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 do you do what you think is right. Usually, in most of the startup, because of monetization, because it takes time to make money, or because you need money to to gain market share. In our case with Green, the reality is that you need to buy those scooters upfront. And you're going to make money after x months by putting them in the street so you need to raise a lot of capital um so definitely being able to raise money is an asset for founders and for investors to have those kind of funds but as you know as as you know because we co-invest in a company recently um which actually do not need money because they are already profitable and i would say that um this is probably the best position to be in because if your company is already making enough money and you don't need the money, then you are also in the best position to be able to raise more money on the best conditions. Okay. And as an entrepreneur, how, how relevant? I mean, because as an entrepreneur, you will be raising capital 
I mean, unless the company is profitable, we but we have seen a lot of companies such as WeWork, for instance, that they raise a lot of money throughout many years. So let's say in those cases where the companies are not profitable and they need to keep on growing, how do you manage the relationship with the new investors? Because you will, at the very beginning, you will tackle, let's say, VC in the early stage, then you go for growth capital, then you go for maybe private equity. So what's your recommendation about that? I'm not sure I, did, I understood really the question, but um, I mean, we work where in a position, again, in the markets where everybody, everything was about growth, expansion, market share. So investors were pushing also the company to do so. So it's not only the company that decided to do so, it's also investors that are saying, I'm gonna give you a billion dollars in order to open those markets and to gain X amount of market share and to gain X amount of, of, of revenue or GMV. Now, if it costs you money to do so, um, that's why you're raising the money to do it. It's investor usually, they can say everything in the country in the same, in, the, in, in, in like in less than a month, you know, like they would tell you, we want you to, to, to grow and to expand and to open new markets. And then they would say, how come do you not make money? Yeah, but because opening new market costs money. In the beginning, you, let's, if you take WeWork as an example, well, you open, before you open a new space, you need to pay the rent, you need to pay the transformation, you need to make marketing for people to come there. So it takes many months for a place to, 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 to be, or like to make revenue. Um, so, uh, and usually if you only have one WeWork, it's a lot harder to make it work because the beauty of having WeWork that you can go to many places. So it, you need to build that in order to make it work. Um, so it's gonna take time to make the money. Now, the same investor that probably invested one year earlier and say, you have to grow then say, oh, how come you don't make money? So that be, that's because investor, are, are um, um, sometimes uh, uh, they, they, they kind of, they, they change depending on the market um, and they can be bipolar. I mean, like they can, they can literally say everything in the contrary. Um, usually that's why it's so hard as a founder because you depend on, 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 on like in our case, everything was about winning the region, being number one in the region, have market share. And then suddenly same investor saying, oh, but now you need to be profitable tomorrow. You know, and, and obviously it, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. What, what, what are your, your, your final recommendations for entrepreneurs and, and also for investors? I think that Something very important since as a founder, I would say it takes a lot of your time to build something. And it's gonna be literally, um, the cost of it is probably family, friends, uh, a lot of other things that you would like to do in, 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 your, in, 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 in your life. Um, it's a sacrifice that you need to do. I remember when I started Green, I, I obviously, first talked about it with my wife 
And it said, this is something I cannot decide by myself because it will impact you and my son. So it's something we need to decide as a family. And I think this is something first that as a founder, you need to decide and know that it's, there is no shortcut for that. So this is something that as a founder, you need to know. And because of that, it has to be something that you really, really want to do, that it's really important for you. If not, it will be really hard to work on something that you are not excited, that you don't believe in, that you really don't want. Like if, if, if you are not like passionate about that, about the problem and, and trying to solve it, it's, it can really become a nightmare because you're going to be working on that day and night and, and, and you will see friends going out, going on holidays, going on parties and, and you will be working. So if you are not passionate and as, a, as an investor, I would say, first of all, only invest money that, that you, you know you, you're probably not going to see again. Because by definition, most of the investment will, will fail. This is, this is how VC and, and venture capital work. Um, the good thing is that when it works, usually it pays for all the other companies that didn't work. Um, so when, when I see investors that say, oh, I don't have any write-off on my, on my portfolio, I say, there's something you're doing wrong. You know? Because um, by definition, you should have many write-offs, but it's only when you have one, like, only with Rappi in our first, in, in our first fund, uh, we already make money. So you don't, like we made another 40 or 50 investments there, but it doesn't, it doesn't like, and, and, they, and there are also many others that will be successful, but that's, that's how VC work. But again, I would say similar to a founder, invest in things that you are also passionate because it also takes time. You're also gonna be working with the, with the founder. And for us, on top of what they're building, we also want it to be founders that when they send me a WhatsApp, I'm excited to answer, you know, that I want to work with them because I want them to be able or to feel free to send me a WhatsApp at a Saturday at 10 p.m. And I want to be excited to read it and to answer it. If not, then it's also a nightmare because then it's, oh, no, I know I have to, to do this. Then it's, it's not, and it's not, People believe that investing it's only about writing a check, but if you do so, then it's really not passionate because then you are not part of the team building something and you will not be remembered neither from your side, neither from the side of the founder as being part of the team. So this is definitely not something that is interesting for me, but can be for others. I mean, I'm just speaking about myself. Great. Thank you so much, Jonathan, founder of Investo and founder of Green for being today with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invitation again.